I want you to imagine for a second that Jefferson and Hamilton and Adams and Washington and Franklin were sitting here tonight. Do you think they could imagine that the country they risked their lives to create would actually be having a conversation about whether a convicted criminal should be president of the United States? I can't tell you how many people in New Hampshire have asked me, why isn't there a law against that? The answer is because nobody ever thought that someone would have the audacity to run for president as a criminal. And they never thought that any American electorate would actually support it. It's not their fault that they didn't put it in the Constitution along with 35 years old and a natural born American citizen. They didn't think, let's throw in here, and not a criminal. They thought maybe we'd get that part. We're going to show them now whether we do or we don't in the next 10 months. Hmm. Do we get it or don't we? Do we get it or don't we? They didn't really get it at the debate on Wednesday night. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. It didn't really come up. I got the feeling that something right. Other more important stuff. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. It's like transing and kids. I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. That was the thing he said. The clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am. Stuck in the middle with you. I am. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI and Round Mountains KKRN. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW. Lanchester, Pennsylvania's W News, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York on WLPP, Rochester, New York on WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, Fairmont, West Virginia's WEFR. Up in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel. Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, No Lies Radio, and Detour Talk. Blanketing Planet Earth, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Okay, well, here we go again. Uh, For some reason, special coverage on the broadcast of the fifth so-called GOP presidential debate when the Presumptive frontrunner for the nomination did not even bother to show up, choosing instead to do a live town hall over on Fox News, just a few minutes up the road from Drake University in Des Moines, Iowa, where CNN hosted the Republican Party's latest debate, this time with only two Republicans on stage. Former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley and former Governor Ron DeSantis who faced off just days before Monday's first-in-the-nation Iowa caucuses, where on Monday, Desi Doyen, I don't know if you noticed this, uh, but uh, at 7 p.m., 
How are you, Des? I'm all right. Thank you. Okay, good. At 7 p.m., the candidates' supporters will be, you know, spending a few hours in a gymnasium somewhere on Monday after, and I I checked the weather for Monday in Des Moines at 7 p.m. It will be, do you know how warm? Any guesses? (laughs) You mean how cold? How cold, yes. How cold? Yeah, negative six degrees. Ouch. And if you think that hurts, the feels-like temperature at that hour will be 25 below zero. Mm, So, yes, happy caucusing, Iowa. I know Republicans will not complain about it because they like elections that you must vote in person in on one single day. So that's the day. But on Wednesday night in Iowa, Haley and DeSantis duked it out mostly against each other rather than the guy who was believed to be easily beating both of them in a lively debate where they spent most of the two hours calling each other liars. Haley even cited her DeSantisLies.com website at least 15 times throughout the night. And what AP describes as their most hostile encounter to date, Haley and DeSantis during, uh, uh, during questioning from CNN's Jake Tapper and Dana Bash attacked each other early and often, leading one New York Times opinion writer to describe the debate as, quote, like being at a dinner party with a couple on the verge of divorce. <laughs> Fact trek on that one, I think true. Uh, He's a liar. No, she's a bigger liar. Anyway, DeSantis and Haley insulted each other's records and character rather than dare lay much of a glove on the twice impeached four-time criminally indicted guy who appears to be beating them both, according to pre-election polling. Of course, the one Republican candidate whose entire campaign, or so he claims, had been based around stopping Trump That would be former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. He suspended his campaign just hours before the debate, just five days before the Iowa caucuses. But he didn't qualify for Wednesday's Iowa debate anyway, so oh well. As they have for every one of this year's incredibly bizarre debates, along with Desi, uh, beginning last August when there were, I think, eight candidates on stage back then uh, in Milwaukee, um, we have both Digby and Driftglass, our two very smart old-school blogger friends uh, with us today. Heather Digby-Parton is the longtime blogger known as Simply Digby at her long-running Hullabaloo blog, and she is also a regular award-winning columnist at Slate.com. Welcome back, Ms. Parton, and Happy New Year. I'm glad to be here. Thanks very much. Happy New Year to you, too. Thank you. Always a delight to have you. Uh, Similarly delightful is our friend Driftglass, best known as just Driftglass, though sometimes also Mr. Electrico on Twitter or even Bill at Home, where he and his wife have been for years producing their weekly program, The Professional Left Podcast from, as they describe it, Flyover Country, Illinois, where they also now produce their no fair remembering stuff podcast as well. Oh, Drifty, uh, happy new year and welcome back to you again. I should call you Sir Drifty because that sounds like your 80s rap name. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, happy new year. Yeah, this is our actual, uh, this week is our 14th anniversary as podcasters. Oh, nice. 14th anniversary Congrats. as podcasters. Congrats. Yep. Podcasting yep. before. Yeah. 
Pod- had the coal face for 14 years, yep. Po- podcasting before anybody actually knew what that word meant. Yeah, exactly. Well done. Yeah, that's why it was so tricky, because yeah. nobody knew what we what it was, and we were just shouting into the into the void. But now yeah. I'm shouting to you. Thank you. Thank you for the shout. All right, listen, I want, I want to start... Uh, with this. Our commitment in this debate is to provide as much information as possible to voters, especially here in Iowa, before the first contests begin next week. So in choosing topics, we focused on the issues important to Republicans. Okay, so I will welcome both of your thoughts on this. But generally speaking, I thought uh, Jake Tapper and Dana Bash were fine enough, uh, generally speaking. Tapper, in particular, was good uh, about at least trying to get the candidates to answer the questions that they almost always tried to sidestep. He did follow-ups, unlike uh, most of the four previous debates. But as to this notion that they uh, chose to focus on topics important to Republicans— was this always the case with these things? Perhaps I was, uh, you know, too young to remember. And, and, of course, you guys are much, much older than me, of course. <laughs> but I, I feel like that there, that there was a time when even primary debates included uh, questions for the candidates that they would face, you know, from the American public in general, not just from primary voters of their party. So even party voters might learn how a party's eventual nominee might actually stand up as a general election candidate. Am I wrong about that, uh, Heather? You know, it's an interesting question. I don't honestly know. I mean, I feel like it must have been that way because I don't remember it just being so highly focused on just these, you know, the kind of issues that only one party or the other cares about, you know, that their priorities, but I don't remember for sure. That's it. You know, we have to, we'll have to look that up. I think (laughs) to get the answer there, but to, to, to take it further, they should, (laughs) if they don't, they should do that because obviously I would think even Republican voters would want to know how they handle it. Let me give you an example. Mm -hmm. What if someone stands up, but, you know, a questioner, what if they ask a question like, what was the cause of the Civil War? Yes. You might want to know <laughs> right. what, the, what the, the, the candidates would say about that. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's it should be essential, but they don't do it. That's for sure. You're I, absolutely right. They, they don't. And it's it's kind of bizarre that they don't. Uh, Bill, I ask uh, because it feels like. That practice by the media has sort of been re- reinforcing this idea from from the very jump in presidential elections, which, uh, let's face it, are the part of our body politic that most Americans even bother to follow. But what they're doing is sort of putting the nation into these silos, which we are now, you know, sort of so closed into on both sides of the aisle that, you know, anything from the other silo is sort of regarded as insane and un-American, foreign, really, to to each of the parties. I, I feel like this is a big part of that, no? Well, I'm old enough to remember when the League of Women Voters would run debate. Mm-hmm. And they were, you know, people would wear ties and they would be relatively polite and so on and so forth. But this is not a debate. This is a televised entertainment for a very specific audience. Mm-hmm. This is this road show of who's afraid of Virginia Woolf in this little <laughs> high school debate auditorium among two losers is entirely devoted to entertaining the Republican base. Mm-hmm. Other than us, I can't think of a single Democrat 
who would watch this thing. <laughs> well, so, yeah, it, it's intended for an audience. So, you know, you don't uh, you don't push anti-drug messages in the middle of the wire. You know, it, mm. it just isn't that isn't the show. So the show is these people out here who are rooting for one or rooting for the other or over at the town hall, which I also sort of watch uh, a bunch of caucus goers who love Donald Trump. That's all they care about. Mm. And so the networks that put these things on are putting on entertainments that loosely resemble debates for the edification and entertainment of the audience. And the audience doesn't want to hear about anything other than the things they want to hear about. If they wanted to hear about things they didn't want to hear about, they wouldn't be Republicans. Well, so. I, I'm going to go uh, bravely on record to say that I believe that the uh, media outlets ill serve this nation when they do so. <laughs> no. so yeah, yeah, that's sure. where I'm going to go. All right. Now, another uh, question here. Uh, what about this? We need to fly a flag of bold colors, uh, carrying the banner of putting the American people first, not the pale pastels of the warmed-over corporatism of people like Nikki Haley. That is pale pastels. That Governor, is warmed-over corporatism. thank you so much. So we need to run under the banner of bold colors that are putting the American people first. We can't run under a banner of pale pastels of the warmed-over corporatism, the likes of which is practiced uh, by Nikki Haley. Okay, so I get the corporatism part. Uh, Haley was chosen by the Koch <laughs> network to be their candidate instead of uh, DeSantis. He's mad about that. But what is this warm pastels business about? As you heard, he said it three times on Wednesday night. Pale pastels. Pale, warm, pale. pale. Uh, <laughs> even in his closing statement, he was sure to get that in. Is that a dog whistle about Nikki Haley being a woman or something? Heather, uh, you're a woman <laughs> or something. Do you, do you have any insight for me on that? Well, I can, all I can say is, yes, as a woman, that's how I took it. Did you? <laughs> I would imagine most women took it that way. It was pretty darned obvious to me. Yep. Now, I also thought maybe Ron didn't realize that he was also suggesting that he was running around with a bold, you know, I don't know, saturated color of, say, a <laughs> rainbow flag. And he didn't realize that he was saying that about himself. But yes, of course, that's what he was doing. I mean, that, I don't. Why else? I don't know. It Who just characterizes it just seems... rich donors as pale and pastel. I mean, I, it just makes no sense. I so, mean, Brad, yeah, of course. The, the fact that you picked up on it shows that it wasn't really much of a dog whistle. It was kind of a scream. Well, I thought yeah. there must be something when he repeated it three <laughs> times. There must it be some weird. clever. Everybody understood. Maybe what he was her doing. Uh, South Carolina's flag is pastelly or something. I could isn't. not. It, I, I know. It <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, uh, Drift Glass for you. I, in fact, um, even though I think Nikki Haley would be a much better candidate for the Republican Party, frankly, and, mm -hmm. and give them a much better chance of defeating Joe Biden in the general election. Don't tell them. But um, today's GOP seems to me to be about little more than domination and which yep. candidates dominate the other. And by that score... It seems to me that DeSantis simply dominated Nikki Haley throughout Wednesday's debate and was therefore, at least by the GOP rules for a GOP primary, the clear winner. What was what was your broad takeaway from uh, from Wednesday's debate for now? Uh, what we learned about Haley and DeSantis, we can get to Trump in a bit here. Uh, well, first of all, I think he, you know, in his mind, he said, I paid. $20 million for consultants to come up with some slogan for me to say, and I am by God going to say that slogan three <laughs> times. 
Warm pastels. Yes. Warm, and it was some, you know, he, they asked ChatGBT, give me something that sounds Reagan-ish. And it was broken that day, and it spit out that. And he just—he <laughs> doesn't have any kind of interior life or 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 personality, so he just cranks out what his consultants put in. Mm. Um, I think he he really came across as more aggressive, more obnoxious, which in the Republican primary is great. Mm-hmm. I will say that Nikki Haley dropped one grenade right down his pants that really clearly got under his skin, which was, you know, this guy can't even run his own campaign. Uh, because that's literally what they were doing at that moment. That they're in the middle of a campaign, and she's saying, "This guy blew 150 million dollars for nothing. Mm. He's an idiot. He paid all these consultants. You get nothing for it. He's not anywhere except Iowa. How can you trust a guy who's blown his own campaign? He's fist fights breaking out in the conference room. This guy can't even run his own campaign. How can you trust him to run the country? Mm. That appeared to get under his skin. Mm. But for the rest of the time, yeah, he was obnoxious, and he likes." The, the sound of his own voice. He likes, you know, harsh declarative sentences. And she was trying to be at least a little bit nuanced on a couple of issues. I mean, they both lied rather a lot, but she did it a little more elegantly. And I think in a Republican primary, you know, being the biggest boor on stage is usually the guy who wins. Yeah. And, and you know, she had been rising in recent debates, uh, coming across very well. But in this one, and uh, you know, I don't know who else agrees with me, but as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, oh, DeSantis is winning this thing in a walk. Uh, Digby, your uh, broad view, and no, that's not another misogynistic mm. remark from me, but uh, <laughs> your thoughts. Um, well, I, I sort of, I sort of, I agree that he was more aggressive, more hostile, more obnoxious than than usual, which is saying something, because he's exceedingly hostile, aggressive and obnoxious as a, as a human being. He's just a terrible person and it's, it hasn't really played very well for him. So, but in that venue, yeah, he appeared to be the dominant one, but I think Haley did that on purpose, maybe because she's not, she's not going to win Iowa and she's not really playing there. This was for her New Hampshire audience, mm. which just had Chris Christie give a, just a blistering speech against Donald Trump and people being, you know, undemocratic and taking down the party, et cetera, et cetera. Her audience in New Hampshire, which is where she has her only chance to potentially, you know, have a have a real campaign, which mm-hmm. she has not had up to now. Those people don't like aggressive, obnoxious Ron DeSantis. They hate his guts already. I mean, he's like in fifth place up there. So she was just sort of showing herself to be, I think, a little bit above all that and trying to play to that group. I mean, there were things that she said, I mean, she, you know, she, she insulted him and called him a liar and blah, 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 which you have to do in any Republican venue of any sort. But she, she, there was a lot of things on a policy level that she was trying to differentiate herself from him on, you know, as a more mainstream Republican candidate. So I don't, you know, I, I think that may have been her strategy, to be honest with you. Let him let him be the biggest, you know, jackass on the on the stage. And she would be more of the, you know, the stateswoman mm. who was sort of saying, you know, and, and trying to trying to convey that she was a more serious candidate. I guess that that's what I'm saying. So that's well, my impression of that particular question. Mm, well, I 
you can tell the truth, Heather. I know you miss Vivek Ramaswamy terribly last night. Oh my night. God, I miss him so I know, much. I know. I mean, t- I let's know. let's talk obnoxious, hostile, and aggressive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, without him on the stage, I mean, Ron DeSantis must have been so happy because then he got to be he that. He got one. to be the the, the worst. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> And of course, I miss Chris Christie. I'll admit that. Uh, Drift Glass, the, as the, you know, this race for second place goes, uh, because really, unless lightning or prison or the Supreme Court strikes, Donald Trump, uh, this is almost certainly a contest to determine who's going to get the nomination if Trump, for some reason, cannot. But it seems to me, really, that the biggest 2024 news that happened on Wednesday was, in fact, Chris Christie, who he'd been polling about. 10% in New Hampshire um, with Haley now trailing Trump in New Hampshire by single digits in, in several different New, New Hampshire polls now uh, dropping out of the race. Wasn't that really kind of the biggest 2024 news of the day? You mean Christy dropping out? Yeah. I mean, that seems yeah. like it, it's going to change, potentially change the way things move forward more than that two hours of uh, bickering went on oh, yeah. Wednesday night. Yeah. But, it, you know, it. I hate to say it, in the end it won't matter. They're just The, the math is just all against anybody who's not Donald Trump. Mm. Um, I, I appreciate the fact that Christie dropped out and he said it was about Donald Trump. I just come back over and over again to the fact that these guys are running in the Republican Party. And we know what it takes to win in the Republican Party in 2024. And it's you have to be the biggest a-hole on the block. You have to let people know that you're with them on their racism. You have to let them know that you're a misogynist. And you have to say it in a, a, a loud, obnoxious voice. And that's how you win. And it's great that Christie can throw you know, his fraction of votes on, on her pile, and maybe it'll make a difference. I think that Nikki Haley made her argument towards the very end very clear, which is, I can beat Joe Biden. And, it, and that's what she's shooting for. And, that, and that, you know, that's what she's got. That's the, the hand she's been dealt, and, that's, and she's playing it as well as she can. But you know, I flipped back and forth between the town hall and the debate, and it was like watching Game of Thrones on one channel and Gilligan's Island reruns on the other. This is, <laughs> oh, this is, this is the guy that they all love, and I can see why they love him, which is because he is them. He is the manifestation of the GOP base. And these guys are just... They seem so small in comparison. Which, so which, I, I wish her luck. I think you're, you're right. The big story is Chris Christie dropping out. Chris Christie talking harshly about Donald Trump. Um, I don't know who he's going to endorse. Well, <laughs> yeah, well, that's and, why. Uh, uh, well, actually, I have two questions. Uh, one, uh-huh. wh- which one was Gilligan's Island? Oh, Gilligan's Island was the, uh, was the Haley and the, the Fantasy. <laughs> okay, good, good, because that's the one I watched, which I enjoy much more than Game of Thrones. Yeah. But, um, Heather, w- w- yeah, Chris Christie dropped out. He didn't endorse either of the, uh, the, the two remaining-ish candidates. Uh, in fact, he was caught in a hot mic bashing both of them. So yeah. why did he get out before any votes were even cast in Iowa or New Hampshire? What's the point? I was going to ask you the same oh. question because oh, yeah. I honestly do not know. The only thing I can come up with is that it had to do with money. Maybe he's just running out and, and they just figured why, you know, why spend any more on this? Uh, other than that, I honestly don't understand why he would do it if he wasn't going to endorse Haley. Right. And he was very, right. he was, he was really, um, you know, extremely, 
insulting toward her in that hot mic moment. It's not like he was he was just kind of playing coy and saying, well, you know, people can go vote for whoever they want. He's in that hot mic moment. He said she's going to get smoked. So he doesn't think she can win. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I'm not really sure why he would do it now, because he you know, he's now lost his platform to to do what he said he was the whole point which mm-hmm. was to get out the word about Donald Trump and let maybe there's a maybe there's a media deal maybe he's going to go to CNN or something you know I don't know but it did strike me as very weird timing let's just put it that way I didn't get that at all and I'm sorry that you don't have an answer no for I, I, I wish well, I did you would. now I do want to point out that if you watch his entire Christie's entire speech where he is talking about the reasons why he's dropping out and the reasons why he got in in the first excellent place excellent speech about 30 minutes it was it, good it did and he said that you know if you are not able to say that Donald Trump is unfit to be president then you are unfit fit to be president yourself so with that in mind you know maybe that's got something to do with it he's burning all the bridges well maybe he's just laid out his conditions he's Hmm, you know you want my endorsement this Nikki, is what you got to do. Here's this what is what say. you have to say. You know, maybe that was it. You know, I don't know. Well, they covered a, a lot of ground, actually, in the Wednesday debate. Um, and perhaps we'll get to some of the specific issues on the premise that any of them actually matter here. <laughs> but as as always, you know, the elephant in the uh, on on Gilligan's Island was, of course, Gilligan. That would be Donald Trump. Uh, Christie made that clear in his own remarks earlier in the day. We played a little bit at the top of the show. Uh, But for some reason, most of the Trump-related questions were held until almost the very end of this two-hour affair. And by the way, they lied. They told me it was going to be 90 minutes. (laughs) I I would like to get 30 (laughs) minutes of my life back. But in any event... Uh, oh, here, I want all two hours back. I, know. I mean, that was, yeah. that was brutal, man. It was brutal. <laughs> I don't blame you. Here's, here's both Haley and DeSantis answering Jake Tapper's question about Donald Trump's call to, quote, terminate the Constitution. This was after he uh, Trump came to believe that Twitter didn't allow misinformation about Hunter Biden's laptop to spread as quickly as Trump would have liked it to. Uh, he described that as somehow election fraud that or interference or whatever, that they, they should be allowed a new election or Biden should be removed from office. But in any event, uh, Tapper went on to ask both candidates if in light of that, if there is any meaningful difference between how they and Trump view the U.S. Constitution. Seems like it should have been a, a layup for both. But here, here's part of their answers. Governor Haley, is there any meaningful difference in how you and Donald Trump view the Constitution? I mean, look, you take an oath to the Constitution, and I think that election, Trump lost it. Biden won that election. You can't just terminate the Constitution. I mean, I know he does, you know, word vomit from time to time on social media, but obviously I will uphold the Constitution. But you know who else deserves to be criticized? The people that violated the Constitution during COVID, I'm going to bring a reckoning to all these agencies, the CDC, the NIH, the FDA. There's a reckoning coming. So, so uh, a drift glass. I have I've seen some say that Haley somehow deserves credit for saying clearly that Trump lost and Biden won. That seems like a pretty low bar to me, but maybe not for the GOP these days. And DeSantis calling for a, quote, reckoning which sounds pretty Donald Trumpy to me. What should we take away from those answers, if anything? Yeah, that, that, 
Uh, well, first of all, uh, Ron Sanders did say he loved George Washington. So you got to give him that. <laughs> he loved George Washington. He Another... took an oath in the Navy. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then he's going to be Asgard's reckoning. I believe that's the quote, direct quote from the Marvel movies. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, he promises revenge. That's, he knows what the, tr- the base wants to hear. That he's, They're going to see Fauci in a show trial, and they're going to ha- take him out and execute him. That's what, he, that's what they think they want, and that's what he thinks they want. So that's what he's giving them. Yeah, Haley, Bar- Haley Barber, what am I? And Nikki Haley talking <laughs> about how um, there is uh, 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 Biden won and Trump lost is heresy in the GOP. I mean, the minute you say that, you're no longer a Republican. You are some sort of weirdo, socialist, communist, Obama-loving monster. So for you and me and normal people who are have normal sensibilities, that's a very, very low bar. Mm. But the Republican Party, that almost makes you a heretic and makes you unacceptable to the, to the masses. So is it enough to get uh, Chris Christie's endorsement? However, I guess that's the real question. I, I really doubt it. I, I mean, if you listen to um, Christie's remarks months ago when he was talking about Donald Trump, there was a, a, it was a clip played on CBS that was you know, a couple of minutes long. And Donald Trump this, Donald Trump that. But the whole clip, which was not played very widely, was and Joe Biden's just as bad. He really is trying to stay in that in that centrist, no labels, everyone's terrible, they're both equally bad zone, so he can retain his political viability. So I don't know who he's going to endorse, but he's definitely, you know, he blames the division of the country on Barack Obama. It goes all the way back that far. He knows the party, and he knows what he has to say to stay in the party. So, you know, there we are. It's, well, it's, not doing him much good. Uh, Heather? No. Yeah, I just wanted to add the thing about, about Nikki Haley saying that. Um, yeah, and I totally agree with what Driftglass just said that, you know, that's really is heresy in the Republican Party. It's super heresy it, at Mar-a-Lago. Mm-hmm. And what I think she may have done was just talked herself out. There's been some rumors around that maybe Trump was going to be pragmatic and pick her for VP, even though he didn't really like her, but he could see that maybe there was some advantage to him. And uh, I, that's over. I mean, if that was true, it is no longer true. Mm. That is, those he will never accept her mm. after saying that he lost the election. I mean, that's that's done. A little bit so, more. And I think she was kind of hoping that he might pick her for VP because otherwise, why in the world is she doing this? Because <laughs> it makes no sense otherwise. There's uh, and 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 I think she's been asked, would you accept? Vice President, she sort of hedges on that. She won't say one way or another. I, uh, before we get to a break here, a little bit more on uh, more on Trump, um, you know, which sort of seems like this should have been the very first question, given that that the day before uh, the the debate, Trump's attorney actually argued in court that it's perfectly legal for a sitting president <laughs> to order his political rival to be assassinated. Uh, and they each got a crack at this question. Um, again, it came like at the end of the two hours. But uh, here's here's DeSantis. And Governor DeSantis, I'm wondering if you agree with the argument that Donald Trump's lawyer made in court that a president should have immunity for any conduct in office, including, as the judge asked, ordering the assassination of a political rival unless the president gets impeached and convicted by the Senate for the offense first. I think the D.C. Circuit is going to rule against Donald Trump on that issue. It's not going to be an issue with me because I'm always going to follow the Constitution. But I think there's a larger issue Republicans have got to think of. He's going to end up going to trial 
in front of a stacked left-wing D.C. jury of all Democrats. What are we going to do as Republicans in terms of who we nominate for president? If Trump is the nominee, it's going to be about January 6th, legal issues, criminal trials. We need to make this election a referendum on the failures of Joe Biden, the failures of the Democratic Party, and how we have the formula to engineer a great comeback for this country. That's what I would do. Now, uh, Heather, I can't tell if he actually answered the question there, um, but <laughs> whatever he did answer, whatever he did say, on a GOP primary level, I think that was one of his, his, his best answers to date, no? Well, I mean, I guess so. I mean, unless you're a Trump person who, you know, just finds any questioning of his, you know, of his standing and, mm. and doesn't, you know, go with the line that he's being persecuted like, you know, like Jesus Christ and, and being indicted for them, uh, you might find that compelling. Um, but of course, you know, you have to also look, I mean, he did, you know, he he tries to be clever like this all the time, you know, he and, and it's just what Driftglass just said about Christie too, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's really, you know, this isn't a good thing. And, you know, he's going to be, um, you know, he's he's going to lose his appeal. He's going to lose this uh, this appeal and he'll be on trial with a left wing, you know, a far left yes. jury that's, you know, already you in the bag. You know, I mean, it's always that. Right. You know, it's always. But let's not forget who's well, really the problem here. Well, you know? it does so, seem you know. unseemly for a presidential candidate to attack the federal jury system i mean uh, and you know the law and order system and i think wasn't isn't he a, a lawyer but i guess that's why i'm saying it was a good answer for him all right here's haley's uh here's haley's crack at that same question do you agree with the argument donald trump's lawyer made in court that a president should have immunity for any conduct including an ordering the assassination of a political rival unless that president is impeached and convicted by the Senate for that offense first. No, that's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, you can't go and kill a political rival and then claim, you know, immunity from a president. Ron said we should have leaders that we can look up to. Well, then stop lying because nobody's going to want to look up to you if you're lying. But what I do think we need to look at is what has President Trump done? You look at the last few years and our country is completely divided. And now we have leaders in our country that decide who's good and who's bad, who's right and who's wrong. That's not what a leader does. What a leader does is they bring out the best in people and get them to see the way forward. That's what we need in our country. We don't need this chaos anymore. We need someone who's going to be a new generational leader that bring sanity back to America. Now, to her credit, she did answer the question directly for a happy change. Very brave, of course, of her to say that it's wrong to uh, target your political <laughs> opponent for assassination if you're a president. But then she, of course, uh, tiptoed around. I, I think she meant that Trump has divided the that it was Trump specifically that divided the country, though she was very careful not to say his name too much amid her, her critique there. I've, I've you know, long said that Haley actually has a real crack at taking down Trump if she can show up as competitive in New Hampshire. But if that's how she's going to tiptoe around, you know, her main rival there, uh, Bill, I got to get to a break here. But does she have a chance in hell if it becomes a two person contest between her and Donald Trump after New Hampshire? Uh, no. <laughs> OK, <laughs> thank you for the quick answer. Uh, <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> and and with that, actually, I'm going to take you up on that and take a quick break here because we are running late. We'll try to hit some of the actual issues 
discussed at Wednesday's two-person GOP debate in Des Moines um, on the outside event that any voters out there still actually care about issues. I really don't believe they do, but special coverage continues with Drift Glass and Digby just days before the first voting in the nation actually happens in the 2024 presidential race. On Monday, I'm Brad Friedman, and you are listening to The Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com slash donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. Rather than have him go and tell you all these lies, you can go to DeSantisLies.com. You know, I debated the governor of California, Gavin Newsom. Um, You know, I thought he lied a lot. Uh, Man, Nikki Haley gives him a run for his money. Bless his heart. DeSantisLies.com. Ron says, stop lying. It's a shame that we had to put up DeSantisLies.com. Ron said we should have leaders that we can look up to. Well then stop lying because nobody's going to want to look up to you if you're lying. That's not true. You talk about putting Americans last and then she'll say you're lying, you're lying. That means not only did she say it, but she's on videotape saying it. He can call me whatever name and be demeaning as much as he wants. It doesn't change the fact that Ron's lying because Ron's losing. Lies, 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 yeah. Yeah. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Substantive stuff there from the Wednesday night debate in Iowa between Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis. Our special coverage continues for some reason with our friends Heather Digby, Parton of Salon and Drift Glass of the Pro Left podcast. Uh, with with uh, OK, guys, with, you know, with two judges, two of the two of the judges that are overseeing Trump's trials and and special counsel Jack Smith being swatted in recent days, having essentially SWAT teams sent to their homes by hoax callers lying about a shooting at their homes, which can end up with, you know, people dying. And that's just some of the political violence surrounding the presumptive front runner for the GOP nomination for the president of the United States right now. It seems kind of weird to discuss actual political issues, but that's how most of the night was actually spent at the fifth GOP debate on Wednesday in Iowa between Haley and DeSantis. Many of them, um, you know, these many of these issues might have been of interest to Fox News viewers, I guess, even though the debate was on CNN. But a few, I think, are helpful reminders of just what our modern day Republican Party now actually stands for above and beyond political violence. The CNN moderators actually asked some questions about things like health care and Medicare, and Social Security, and abortion, which have been largely absent in the four debates. So I want to hit a couple of them real quickly. Uh, Here's a question uh, to Nikki Haley on whether she would end 
the very popular federal Medicaid expansions uh, that were put in place under Obamacare, expanded by Joe Biden, which have given access to health care to millions of Americans across the country. Neither of you has released a detailed health care plan. As governor of South Carolina, you chose not to expand Medicaid. Forty states, including this one where we are in Iowa, did expand Medicaid. As president, would you allow those states to keep their expansions in place. How can we be the best country in the world with the most expensive health care in the world? We're going to open it all up, from the hospitals to the insurance companies to the doctor's offices to the pharmaceuticals to the PBMs. Make them have to show us everything. The second thing is we're going to pass tort reform around this country, and then we're going to go and eliminate certificate of need in this country. I did that in South Carolina as well. That basically says if you have a hospital here, you can't have another hospital for X number of miles. We're going to put competition back in health care. Would you allow the states that accepted Medicaid expansion to keep that? So the problem with Medicaid is it needs to be sent down as block grants. Right now, I would send all of that down to the states. So um, I think that sounded like a n- no, she would not allow <laughs> them uh, to, to continue their, uh, the, the expansion of Medicaid, that she would end that in favor of block grants, which is similar to how DeSantis answered, uh, answered that same question. Uh, Heather digby Parton. What does that actually mean for Americans if she well, becomes, it was, yeah, it was weird because because to me, as you know, if I closed my eyes and, you know, just sort of leaned back and listened to what she was saying, I would have thought it was 25 years ago. Yes, that's the kind yep. of answer that these Republicans gave for decades about how to deal with health care. And it never worked. It was always a mess. She knows it. I don't think she's that dumb. So, so just just to be clear, it's giving all the money to the states, let them decide yeah. what to do. Exactly. And and by the way, they want to shrink the money, too. She didn't say yes. that, but of course they would. You know, that's just we've got to fix the deficit after all. You know, this has always been their argument. And it's the same nonsense of tort reform. You know, George W. Bush used to go to go to rallies and he'd just say the words tort reform and they'd all just burst and cheer and just, you know, like dance around at it. And I'm going, do these people have any clue what tort reform is? But they, you know, this was just sort of a reflexive thing that Republicans said for years. And of course, you know, tort reform is, you know, legal reform so that you can't sue for malpractice, essentially. And, you know, so baby, basically, you know, corporations can kill people, right? They want to be able to kill people with no, no kind of ramifications. So, you know, this was just, I mean, I listened to this and I'm just going, man, they have not come up with a new idea. Well, since the 60s, basically, mm, you know, this stuff yeah. has been around forever. It was tired, you know, 20, 30 years ago. It's even more tired now. It's one of the main reasons why Donald Trump is popular, because he doesn't say that nonsense. Mm. <laughs> he, I mean, granted, he says other stuff that's All even new more nonsensical, nonsense. yeah. yes. but it's not that. And it's just because these Republicans have not had a new idea in decades. And their whole movement, their whole ideology is just dead. And that's why MAGA has become the Republican Party. And I also you know, want to point out that just as a fact check, none of the things that Haley listed will actually lower health care costs. Right. Tra- transparency, sure. So, yeah, we're going to show you how much we're going to gouge you, but you still can't do anything about it and you still have to pay it. Now, she also, to continue our trip through the 60s, 70s, 80s and 90s here, uh, <laughs> Nikki Haley. Hits. Yeah. 
uh, also called for raising the age of retirement. Same old. Yeah. Hey, hey, it's FCC radio, Heather. Uh, raising the age of retirement before Americans can receive their Social Security benefits. Now, DeSantis, I guess, to his credit, disagrees with doing so. But here's how part of uh, how, how part of the exchange uh, on this issue sounded on Wednesday night in Iowa. Should voters in their 20s plan on having to work until they're 70? They should plan on their retirement age being increased, yes. We're going to change it to reflect more of what uh, life expectancy should be. Well, one of the things that I think we disagree on, too, is uh, Governor Haley has said Social Security is an entitlement but, you know, it's not an entitlement. You're paying into it. It's not a welfare program. You're being taxed for this your whole life. And so to expect to have benefits on the back end, you know, I don't think that that's too much. The other thing I'd point out is um, Social Security for decades ran massive surpluses. What happened to those surpluses? The Congress spent the surpluses. Yes, when you They have a the big debt. problem with that. So, number one, we need term limits for members of Congress. Number two, we need a balanced budget amendment to the U.S. Constitution. Number three, we need to give the president a line item veto. And number four, when you see all these congressmen making a killing in the stock market, like Nancy Pelosi, she could run a very lucrative hedge fund. We need a 28th amendment to the Constitution that says very simply, Congress shall make no law respecting the citizens of the United States that does not also apply to members of Congress themselves. <laughs> So that was about saving Social Security, I think. <laughs> Drift glass. Short uh, reform. Uh, do, do I even wow. need to ask a question here, or can I just turn that over to you? Well, uh, I mean, this, I just, my notes sit next to the say it's the Paul Ryan plan. Because um, it, it is exactly the Paul Ryan approach to government, which is tort reform, cut funding, transparency, market magic will fix everything. And I, I remember vividly Barack Obama showing up at the Republican retreat in Baltimore. I think it was 2010. Mm -hmm. They invited him. He didn't think he'd show. He mm -hmm. showed up. He stood there for an hour and a half, I think. I remember. No notes. Yep. And just gutted them because they would, they would, this is what they were throwing up. This is why you don't invite a Democrat to a Republican party <laughs> because he said, yeah, that's all great, Paul, and I'm all for that, but that won't change anything. That won't fix the cost. That won't bend the curve. If you send me a bill that will actually fix the problems I've outlined, I'll find it. I'll give you credit for it. But none of these things will fix it, and you know that. And he just beat them stupid, which is why they didn't invite him back the next year. Is the idea there that, oh, if these various things that he, uh, uh, DeSantis was throwing out there, that if we just lower costs somehow, we just lower how much we, we spend on things uh, in other ways or something that somehow that will leave enough money to uh, to cover any gaps in Social Security. Is that his general sure. well, argument? It, it'll all work out. We'll block grant the money. Uh, the states will figure out what they want to do with it, which is a terrible idea because that's why you have formula grants. That's why you do it the way you do it now. And, and if you flipped over to the town hall, just as I did, mm -hmm. you would find – Donald Trump saying Nikki Haley wants to cut Medicare, mm -hmm. and that's it. And oh my God, no! I mean, he does get it, and and perhaps they both forgot that less than a year ago, Joe Biden brought the Congress to its feet in collective applause, saying we're not going to touch Medicare and we're not going to touch Social Security. Right. So they are really stuck on. I guess this is what the donors want to hear because donors are old white guys who are billionaires 
who remember fondly the good old days. Well, De- DeSantis was saying, no, we're not going to cut it. We're not going to cut Medicare or Social Security. We're just going to somehow raise enough money in other ways to be able to keep benefits as is. But uh, Heather uh, Haley, Nikki Haley, she wants to lower the benefits for Social Security and Medicare, I guess. But uh, Social Security raising the retirement age, but only for people in their 20s currently. Um, is that okay? Do they deserve to work longer? Will, will any 20-year-old voters uh, notice what Haley is saying? Should she somehow, through a, a strike of lightning, become the nominee for the GOP? No, they will not notice. And again, this is the oldest idea in the book. They've they will been not notice. Forever. They will not they will notice. Not notice. They, they 20- won't notice it. No, the 20-year-olds are not going to pay attention. Here's why. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. They say this all the time, and it's a very sneaky thing. Which is, you know, oh, it's we're just going to ask the young people to, you know, to to work a little bit longer, life expectancy, blah blah blah. Literally, they've been saying that at least since the '80s. Mm-hmm. This was part of their thing, and the young people are all—they're not thinking about how old they're going to be or w- whether they're going to need social mm-hmm. security. You know who does think about it? Old people, and they think <laughs> yes. about their grandchildren, and they think about their kids, and they worry about that, and they say no. You mm. know, we, I'm not going to do that to them. Mm. And those people vote, and it's always been just this weird obsession of theirs with having. You know, I mean, I used to put on my blog years ago. <laughs> there, there was a, a, I had a chart. I'll have to look and see if I can find it. Of every year that they said that that uh, Social Security was going broke. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it yeah. goes back decades. It was going broke back in 70, you know, in 91. Then it was going to go broke in 97. And then it was going to go broke in 2002. You know, I mean, over and over and over again, they've been saying it. And it doesn't go broke. And by the way, it never has to go broke. The United States, this whole idea of this trust fund that's running out of money is just, it's a, it's, it's a construct that they came up with. And the idea was back in the 80s that they were going to make, by the way, all the baby boomers pay more during their working product, productive years because there was this big, you know, bulge in the population that was going to hit the the social security system mm-hmm. at the same at the same time yeah. and so they put through that reform and we all dutifully did it they raised the retirement age a couple of months yep. that's not going to be happening in 2050 okay that is just not there isn't this same dynamic that required that and everything you read if you go and read stuff by nancy altman or, or you know she's a social security wonk and expert or any of the people who've been studying this for years this is just it's it's bs yeah on the part of the republicans they've been saying it forever because they don't want social security to exist that's right and they are looking for ways to stop it and that's, that is all this is about yeah and and i think they also uh give the lie away when they never mention the fact that you could raise the threshold of income yeah. that is subject to the social security yeah. tax to yeah. you know full income and that would fully fund raise social the security. and right. you know and the other part about that yeah. working until you're 70 good luck getting a job at 69 well yeah. that's right you better yeah so it's just not workable, and they know it, and they're lying about it. One more I want to get in here uh, very quickly. The uh, CNN moderators happily asked some actually intelligent questions about climate change for a change. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. And uh, both candidates, of course, said that they would completely rip up all of Joe Biden's critical Indeed, landmark climate change initiatives uh, to reduce emissions, causing deadly global heating. Haley offered 
This tidbit that I had not heard before, but I do want to ask Desi about. We'll roll back all of Biden's green subsidies because they're misplaced. Rather than putting anything towards innovation on what we can do on nuclear fusion and other things that reduce emissions, which there are things out there, electric vehicles are heavy. Our roads and bridges wouldn't be able to handle that if we did that because they're heavy in weight. And so we have to be smart about the way we do that, not to mention 70% of the batteries in electric cars are made in China. So Biden gave this massive windfall, windfall to our number one national security threat. So, uh, yes, EVs are heavy, but, you know, so are SUVs and 18-wheeler trucks. So that is an issue that is not unique to electric vehicles. So she's bringing up a bunch of nonsense to demonize electric vehicles, which, by the way, cut down on the air pollution that she says she wants to cut down. And Biden has brought electric vehicle manufacturing to the United States in this surge of domestic manufacturing in all kinds of sectors. So when you hear Republicans saying, oh, we need to bring back manufacturing yeah. to the U.S., Biden is already doing it. It uh, ignores the, uh, the, the the CHIPS Act, yep. the Bipartisan Infrastructure Act, yep. the Inflation Reduction Act, all of which is bringing back manufacturing already to all 50 states across the country, but they pretend in these debates as if that doesn't exist. Right. Very quickly, uh, for each of you, before we get out here, um, does anything that happened on Wednesday night in Iowa just days before uh, Monday's First of the Nation caucuses, cold ones, uh, either help or hurt Joe Biden's chances this November, or was it just another way station on the way to the actual event? Uh, let me start with you, Driftglass. Uh, no, I don't think anything, nobody laid a glove on Joe Biden. I mean, all these things just swept past him. The whole manufacturing initiative that he's behind, he's just the devil. He's out there in the dark, and mm-hmm. we have to defeat him at any cost. Um, I will say that that Republican Accountability Project running an ad uh, during the uh, town hall was kind of genius. And the only thing that really stuck out for me was an ad I saw for a local tombstone company that did etching uh, custom-made tombstones. I'm looking at these two clowns. I'm going, yep, that's just perfect. That's a weirdly (laughs) perfect kind of way. So Biden got off scot-free. he will meet up with somebody in the fall, and that'll be an entirely different thing. But he's warming up. He's got his A-team out there. If you've been watching these congressional hearings, we have some real fighters in Congress who are, who are really pushing these clowns to the wall. And Joe Biden's out there giving some rock-solid speeches. So I don't think any of this touches him. Uh, Heather, any uh, thoughts on uh, whether this affects, helps, or hurts Joe Biden, whatever the hell happened on Wednesday night? Uh, Not only don't I think it affects Joe Biden, I don't think it affects Donald Trump, and I don't think it affects anything to do with the election at all. This is the most irrelevant political spectacle I have ever observed, and I'm talking about all these primary debates, Mm -hmm. because Donald Trump was always going to win. Now, you're absolutely right. You said earlier that they're just there as sort of placeholders in case he, you know, I don't know, falls face first into the omelet bar at Mar-a-Lago or something. But, um, you know, if it, it, other than that, this thing is, it's already set and, and this is not really news. There's no reason to do it. Um, it's completely irrelevant to everything to do with politics. And that's why we've just spent a whole hour talking about exactly. it. Exactly. It's irrelevant. But it is interesting to political junkies like us who, just you know we have to do it so you know 
follow what these people are doing, but no, it'll make absolutely no difference. Des? I agree that it will make no difference necessarily on the election, but I think that it is good to do this. I think that it's good for voters who choose to tune in to be able to see and hear Republicans and see them excuse Donald Trump's, you know, his his criminal acts and his, uh, his court problems that he's going to have, his urge to be a dictator, all of that stuff. I mean, they do show that there's really no meaningful difference between any of them. And I hope, I hope that some young people paid attention and saw, oh, they plan to make climate change as horrific as possible. And they plan to make sure that there's no Social Security for me, at least for maybe the people in their 30s who are going to start voting now, I hope. All of which would arguably make the case that it does end up helping Joe Biden. But we will see uh, as far as irrelevance. uh, Yes, I have been asking uh, for now our fifth debate in the row uh, why we are even doing these hours, but it does occur to me that it gives me a chance to speak with Heather Digby Parton and Driftglass, which actually makes me feel better about whatever the hell is going on. So hopefully uh, it makes listeners feel that way as well. So we'll take it. Hey, thanks, guys. Heather Digby Parton can be found, of course, at Salon.com and Digby'sBlog.net. She is the uh, columnist and blogger at both and still on the site. Uh, I think still known as Twitter at Digby56. Driftglass can be found as Mr. Underscore Electrico on Twitter. And of course, you can and should listen to his podcasts at ProLeftPod.com. Drifty, Heather, a delight speaking with both of you. I think there's a sixth or seventh uh, debate coming up in the days ahead. Bite your tongue. We may may or may not be speaking to you after those, but uh, thanks, guys. Okay, thanks for having me. All right, we have got to get out. Uh, Thanks again to both Digby and Driftglass and Desi, all the Ds, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. That is made possible by those of you nice enough to hit one of those donate buttons at Bradblog or who go straight to bradblog.com slash donate. Drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks, Mastodons, and sites still known as Twitter, you will find me at the Brad Blog. We'll see you there. Until we see you here next time, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. You're listening to the Bradcast. We are 100% listener supported. Thanks to listeners like you who drop by bradblog.com slash donate.